In this episode of Man vs. Marriage, we're going to riff, but don't walk away. There's something that's on my heart that I want to say. I didn't even plan Whoop. Welcome back to another episode of Man vs. Marriage. It is I, the Q, Diggity Dog. Jeez, now she missed the diggity. Uh, with that being said, stinking delay. I got to get this thing figured out. It doesn't do it on one, it does it on the other. Anyway, welcome to this episode. This is an impromptu episode. I've got something on my heart and want to share, and I pray to God I can uh, articulate it properly. Before we get started, make sure that you... Uh, Share the show. You got something to say or you want some help, have the courage to email us, Quincy at MVSMPodcast.com. Quincy at MVSMPodcast.com. That's like man versus marriage. That's MVSM. And then uh, you can go check out QuincyMoran.com uh, to look at some of the things that we are doing. And then uh, go sign up. Sign up with your email so that we have uh, your email. We know what to, to talk to you about. As Jeannie and I begin to write our books and as we plan forward for conferences coming to a city near you, that's a little farther off, but I want to I want to make sure you're prepared and you're ready. Honey, we've been in the middle of uh, like a marriage help for a Jack and Jill. Jack wrote us and asked some questions, but I've had something on my heart for, I don't know. It's probably been months, but really it feels pretty deep. And uh, I didn't prepare you for this, but I just want to talk to you about it. And then I would really love to get your feedback. But I think in the in the day and time that we live in with uh, with social media, there is all kinds of confusion around the globe. Um, and I have a sense or an understanding, I believe, of what it's coming from. Truly in the United States of America, there's a sense of confusion. And, and in some points, it, it kind of borders on delusion of sorts because we seem to be confused about the basic things uh, that we know in this country, things that are just concrete, scientific. And it's any number of things. But Jeannie and I are part of the Christian faith. And before you stop this podcast, I'm not really here to talk to you about that. But what, what I am here to talk to you about is... My concern that we as men are losing our sense of purpose. Um, I would say there's no question there's been an attack on masculinity for years. And a lot of people talk about it as if it were toxic masculinity. I think that phrase is way overused. I think, if anything, we've got some misguided masculinity because it's come into question uh, regarding what that is really about. But the thing that concerns me is the farther that we as people get away from our faith, we start to lose a sense that we actually have a purpose and a calling in this life. And we tend to allow um, likes on social media or things that people say on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to truly dictate our personality, um, or to dictate 
how our personality reacts with those around us. And after the pandemic, it seemed like everybody was shut off and everybody went introvert when we as human beings, for the most part, need some type of human interaction. And we kind of um, like regressed to our own corners. We didn't have that really serious human experience. There were those of us that still went to work. Um, We have a big family, so we were still being socialized, if you will. But it really, it reared its ugly head when, I mean, for a week or two, maybe it was cool. You're there. It's like, okay, TV, this is great. I get to binge watch everything. But after a week or so, it's like, oh, crap, what am I going to do? And then so you resort to social media. And then everybody's raising their flag higher and higher and higher. And people are getting more and more distant from one another and kind of hunkering down farther and farther on their views and losing the ability to speak and to talk and to have discourse with one another in a safe manner. And why in a safe manner in the sense where we can share our opinions and even though we don't agree, it doesn't mean you're against me to a certain degree. Um, There's some lines for me that are just untouchable. I think we all have those core values where it's like thus far and no more type thing. But I think it's really, we need young men to be mentored. We need young men to be, to, to find that warrior spirit back inside of them. We need young men to be challenged and to want to be challenged. And then we need young men finding women and women domesticating young men. Um, Because in our country alone, the birth rate is dropping, and before you know it, we're not going to be repopulating. Our country is getting older and older and older. And so what you're finding in younger men is that they're not, it's like they're so, in in a lot of cases, they're really hooked on uh, porn or video games and, they're not they're not really going out and taking risks in the sense that the the risk you need to take to begin and start a family they're not really seeing the reason there but i believe that men and women i've never been a woman and never can or will be but men are driven by a sense of purpose and responsibility men are naturally protectors I think naturally want to be providers and there's kind of an assault on that system there. And maybe if in your marriage, it's not exactly the same, that's fine. What is working in your marriage? It good. It's working for you. Um, But I'm noticing that, you know, with the rates of suicide in the United States of America, um, it's alarming because I don't, If you don't have faith, I think it's hard to see that you were actually created for a reason, created for a purpose, and that you have an effect on the people that are around you. And it can be positive, it can be negative, sometimes it can be neutral. But, you know, with the emails we get about separation, the emails that we get um, about marriages that are struggling, um, it seems that there's a theme that 
people get comfortable, they lose their edge, they lose their sense of purpose, and then there's, there becomes a drifting apart, a self-centeredness, and we're, we're losing ground when it comes to marriage and family. And uh, I know that, like, marriage is not for everybody. Like, there are some people who just don't have the desire to get married and uh, whatnot. I don't necessarily understand that because as long as I could remember, I wanted to be a dad. But um, when it comes to a husband and a father, and I'm putting you on the spot here, but can you can you please speak to the guys, even the gals listening to this, to help give them like a wife and a mother's perspective on how important it is for them to show up and to understand, even though things might be tough, there is a purpose behind what they do and it matters. Um, yeah, this definitely wasn't one that we discussed. Um, I, I can't go off anybody else's experience. All I can go off is what I know from us. That's it, all I would ask you to do. You, for a long while, you were absent. So, um, and that made a huge difference. That that made a difference in me. It made me cold. It made me hard. Um, it brewed resentment. It brewed, um, not even just in me. I mean, Ash was, what, two years old? when we had the twins and I mean, we had seven kids. I think Hunter was just starting. No, he was getting ready to start school because we were going to try and homeschool him. Um, but I mean, we were dealing with seven kids at that point and you were working all the time. You were gone all the time. Ash was, didn't get the attention she needed necessarily because I was between the four who were older who had their own developmental issues going on and surgeries and, you know, chaos. And then when we were pregnant with the twins is when all hell broke loose again because of all the molestation and whatnot that came to came mm -hmm. to the front. And um, I don't know. It was like you still weren't around. It was like you were trying to figure out a way to get through that situation and where to put that energy because we didn't, we didn't know where to put it. Without going off on somebody or something, we didn't know where to put it. So it, that was when you were really starting to um, – get healthier and get more into the gym and get more focused on some place to put that energy. Um, yeah. I think, I think that that situation happened around 2005 and it wasn't until really like 2009 that I made a shift and you were starting to, you hadn't, you hadn't completely come to it yet, but you started to because, um, PJ got you in to use the punching bag after that situation. Well, I, I think your timeline is off because I didn't meet PJ until right around 2000. Maybe it was Manny. It might have been Manny. Yeah. But I know you were using a punching bag at the time. Yeah. And that that was in the time when it was like on again, off again, on again, off again. And 
it wasn't until that time in 2009 when I kind of realized, and it was a, it was actually one of those courses that we got involved with living life by design that helped me understand kind of the error of my ways. And I, I thought I was doing what was best for this family. Um, when I was out, like I would work, I would coach football. I was trying to do music early in our marriage. I was trying to, um, start a production company. The football came later, uh, trying to do a, a t-shirt company. I was out searching for some kind of fame. If you really wanted to look at it from today's perspective, you were out looking for likes. Yeah. You you were out looking for something that gave you some kind of affirmation or, um, confirmation for what you were doing being right and somebody else agreeing with you or wanting to partner up with you. Um, it's very much what our kids do today, not necessarily ours specifically, but kids do today where they put stuff out there to see who likes it and why they like it. And then they keep doing the same idiocy because it got attention. Well, that's, Um, I think that's, that's like half true because I didn't, I didn't consciously know that's what I was doing. No, I, I understand that. I don't think that people today consciously realize that either because it's basically what they're shown or what they're taught. This is what you want. You want people to like you. You want to be um, front and center. You want to be popular, whatever it must be. But at the time you were grabbing at whatever came our way to make something happen, to yeah. make money, to, to, at the same time, I think you were looking for uh, validity for yourself, but what hit and when it hit was when Anissa was about to be born that's when everything came to a screeching halt because I was, I felt like I was doing everything by myself and, um, the role that you played as dad was not the role that we needed you to play. We needed you to be there. I needed you to, you know, when, when kids are getting hurt or they're getting sick, I needed you to be there to help with that because that was a lot of people doing a lot of things. Yeah. And, um, even if it's just one kid, I mean, just, just focus on Kiki for, from age five to six. When you get to work during the day and I've got kids all day long and Kirsten doesn't sleep for 10 days straight, but you have to work the next day. So it was like, even though we were switching off when we could, we couldn't really switch off much because you had to work and your, your job requires driving and things of that nature. And at that time, it was just like, I'm it, you know? Yeah. And so and we and we weren't, we didn't have the help that we needed yet at that point. But that's where the partnership, I think, got messed up is we were uneven. Um, we were always uneven. And it wasn't even something that we recognized until it got so far uneven that we were like, we didn't really know each other we just kind of passed each other in the hall we slept in the same bed when we could but we just weren't on the same page in the same book at all um what we needed and what we now have um you're present you're very present Mm -hmm. um from things like making sure you get up and have Mm -hmm. coffee with one in the morning because that's what she wants or if bubba needs you know 
game time. We, we find you find a way to make things happen so that these holes that you missed when they were younger are not missed now. Um, we missed, we, we went to a lot of games and things when they were smaller, but we, we missed out on so much because we couldn't, I couldn't do everybody going somewhere with just me. It had to be both of us and we just couldn't balance everything then. Now it's more, um, Hey, I think I want to do this with the kids. Okay. Give me a heads up on dates and times. Let's work it with our schedule. And you make a way to make those things happen. We're running out of time with the kids. So now it's almost like playing catch up. Yeah. Um, as far as with being a husband, um, I dealt with a lot of stuff without you because I didn't think you had my back. And, um, that's really important when you're, when, look, our situation is so different. It's really hard to say this to everybody else because not everybody has triplets. Not everybody has twins. Not everybody has eight kids. Not everybody has autism. Not everybody deals with what we dealt with, but we were taking hits before we were even married. Yeah. And in the beginning it was like we had each other's back and then slowly for some reason it just seemed like that wasn't the case anymore. And I don't know if it was just because you weren't home a lot and I was feeling like you were gone because you didn't want to be with me and there was too much going on at home or if it was just that we were both going through so much at, at the same time that we just weren't taking the time to connect with each other and touch base and see where each other was and try to fix that. But as a wife and a mother, it was very lonely and very difficult to do children, house, and wife. And at the same time, watch you struggle because we didn't make enough money or we didn't have enough of what we needed and I couldn't help. That's, that's probably one of the biggest things that I still have a hard time with is I couldn't help financially. Um whenever I tried, it didn't go well, (laughs) (laughs) but once we figured out what our balance was, where it was, I don't want to be the one always having to punish kids. I don't want to be the one always responsible for homework. I don't want to be the one always responsible for making sure chores are done. I don't want to be the one always responsible. And then you get to come home and be fun. Dad, that, that didn't work well for our situation but then it flipped and you were the disciplinary and that was all you were and then that didn't work well so we had to find a balance it can't be on one person to do everything but it's the same thing with the marriage it can't be I'm responsible for your diet or I'm responsible to make sure dinner is always made and I'm responsible to make sure that we have a date night and we have a babysitter um, and, and I'm not digging at Quincy. So if that's what you're thinking, that's not what this is. I'm, I, he's asking me to go back from where we were and this is where we were. We are no longer in this place. It's really in the moment too. So, um, but it was, it was a lot of pressure because I still didn't know how to really be a wife. We were married and you know, we struggled through not being able to get pregnant in the first year of our marriage because that was a load of news we weren't expecting in the first 12 months that we were married. And then we, we had a kid and then we had more kids and we didn't just like 
you know, you don't just pop out one or two. No, Jeannie pops out three at a time. So it was very, very different for us. And we didn't have anybody to bounce it off of. No matter who we talked to, I struggle with taking advice from someone who has never been in my shoes. So everybody can tell you, oh, it's okay. Once you have two, it's, it's like riding a bike. Easy peasy. Okay, well, what do you do when you have four at one time? Nobody knew what to tell us. And the people well, for that at one time at that particular age, one, yeah, and then newborn, yeah. and then you know the people that had had triplets that tried to help us all had such negative impact on what we were going through. But it it just I think the person we ho- we hooked up with was just the wrong person to hook up with, <clears throat> and so we were grasping at straws trying to figure things out. I think now what's really hard is watching people go through similar situations as us and watching them kind of think it's okay. Like this is normal. This they're married, but they're not together. It's like a partnership rather than a partnership, like together, you know what I mean? Like a business deal rather than a partnership. It's really hard for me to, to explain because when, when we go out, like we went to my niece's wedding and it floored me because when we got on the dance floor and we were dancing together, I literally forgot about everybody else in the room. Mm-hmm. I was completely in the moment, you and me, head forehead to forehead, doing our thing. Nothing else around me even registered. And when the dance was over, I mean, apparently a bunch of pictures were taken because I now own them. They're some of my favorites. My niece came up behind me and said, everyone in the room was just enjoying your moment. And I thought, okay, I wasn't meaning to take away focus from you. She's like, no, it was great. I mean, you guys have been married for 20 years and you still look like you're the couple that just got married today. Mm-hmm. That meant something to me because we didn't look like that 12 years ago. But here we are 23 years down the road and we still we found a way to put that back. Yeah. And I, I think if, when I went to Rita for help, if I, I honestly, I mean, you heard her, you heard me. I, I told her straight to her face, he's not going to show up. He doesn't want anything to do with this. This is, this is there's no way he's even going to care. This is my problem, not his problem. And lo and behold, Quincy showed up. Had you not shown up, we would not be sitting here. We wouldn't have made it. That was kind of the, um, the moment that I realized you were going to step up and take place. You, you were going to step into whatever place you needed to fill to make this work because we just didn't know what to do. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough because, you know, I, was spread I've always burned the candle at both ends and uh I thought the best thing that I could do you know was to go out and make something of myself so that I had a I would I guess I would make you proud you uh, there would be some validation because for years people were like oh man you're gonna you're gonna do this and you're gonna do that and you're gonna do this and it's like oh man I I gotta I got to go do something. And for a while, it was like, I have to be a pastor. And then for a while, it was like, I have to be 
I don't ever want to be a pastor. And then it was like, oh, man, I got to coach football. And it's like, whew. I, I was out chasing something bigger because I thought it's what was going to solidify and validate me, but also one of these things was going to take off so that I could provide for my family because I grew up dirt poor. You know, my mom was a little, my mom was a single mom. I think she was a bit better off because she went and became a nurse and she had the support of my, you know, my grandparents and, Mm -hmm. you know, my dad was, he was a jack of all trades, but a master of none. And he finally got into driving a bus, but you know, he was always out doing something. And so I was out trying to do something and Jeannie in mine and Jeannie's communication, which we took a pre-marriage class, but we still didn't have the ability to communicate. So I was going based on the symptom and not getting to the root cause and didn't embrace, like I was out doing the chase, but I did not embrace what my true purpose in life was. Well, and I think that's what everybody misses. I mean, if, if, if you choose to be married, your role as bachelor your role as, you know, the guy who goes to the parties, the guy who likes to hang out with his friends and can show up whenever somebody calls and says, hey, let's go to a movie or hey, let's go to a bar or hey, let's go watch this or whatever it is, that role stops. Not completely, but you can't just, let me rephrase. You shouldn't just jump ship to go do all these things that you were still doing because now there's a second person. Yeah. And it's a package deal now. It's a, it doesn't mean that you don't ever get to go out by yourself and do things with the guys, but it does mean that there's another person you have to consider and say, Hey, do we have anything going on? And do you mind if I go do this? Not because you're asking permission, but you're, you're asking if there's something that's going to offend or hurt who look, we had several times where I tried to plan something to surprise him and he'd be like, okay, well I'm going to be over at so-and-so's house doing this and then I'll be home. And it was like, okay, go do your thing. And then I would get crushed because you had no idea what I was doing, but I don't want to tell you what I'm doing either because I'm trying to do something nice and romantic and surprise you. And it just fell. Yeah. And I know it's not your fault that those things happen. It was mine for not communicating. But at the same time, you didn't ask. You just said, hey, I'm going to go do this without checking to see what was happening. And that it's so stupid, but it, it really is communicating the small stuff. Now, when we had kids, our purpose shifted again mm-hmm. because I, I don't know how other people see it. And I don't. it's not really my responsibility to care about that so much is our thought process is our kids are our first ministry period it's us as as husband and wife that's that's really the first one that's the first one yeah and then our family and it didn't used to really I I really didn't notice it so much until the kids were older and I noticed people like after we started homeschooling and um really truly took an interest in who are they individually? What are their interests? What do they like? And then I started using that to teach them mm-hmm. and to really start figuring out 
who these little people and humans were going to become. And now when people say, I get a text message and I, you know, these people don't have their stuff turned in. Coach is upset about blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, hey, Joe was with me. She was helping me with my autistic kids. I'm really sorry she had to miss today. We'll get your stuff to you tomorrow. She says, no, mama, she's already checked in with me. I already know what's going on. You handle your situation. Your kids communicate better than most adults. Your kids are very responsible. I'm excited to have your kids on my team. Some people will tell us how much they, you know, having um, ROTC commanders tell you how special your kid is because they get what they want them to get. It's not just about a grade or a PE class, but your kid is invested in becoming a better person. Your kid wants to serve the community and wants to help. Those things are the purpose we're after. Those things are what I don't want to raise assholes. I want to raise good, responsible, loving, generous human beings who will God willing have more and they will raise them the same way with a few tweaks, I'm sure. But that was our goal. That was our purpose that, that I can't do that by myself. Yeah. And you shouldn't have to. I, I can't pour into Anissa what you do. I don't have the same impact for her that you do. I don't have the same relationship. It doesn't mean that I'm not a, as important. It just means that things she needs from me are very different than what than she, what needs, she needs from you. It goes the same all the way up the chain for all the kids. Bubba is still very much a mama's boy. Mm-hmm. Very much so. But because of his situation, I'm the go-to. If I have, you know, an owie on my finger, yes, he's 21 and he still says owie, you go to mama. If I'm cold and I need a blanket, I go to mama. If I don't feel good and I need medicine, I go to mama. But if I want video games, I go find daddy. If I need boy time and I want to go throw a football, I go find daddy. But if he wants to watch hockey, he comes to mom. It's just very different. But without that balance of dynamic, they wouldn't be who they are. I really think that I, I really think that's the part that I struggle with so much with Ash is that we missed that mark somewhere because we had so much going on. We didn't meet the balance early on. We met it later. And I wish we would have changed that. I wish we would have caught that sooner. But it's not to say she's not a well-rounded kid or a good kid. It's just the there's the timeline that things were going haywire for us impacted her I think the most I do too and and that's where based on what was going on that's where this conversation that we're having comes into play because whenever you catch it you have to catch it now that you recognize it and you know that this is the situation this is the problem this is where the disconnect is you have to fix it or you have to make a choice because you've already impacted everything prior to this point Good, bad, indifferent, it's already been done. Yeah, and there there are just things that are outside of your control, and, and several of those things that were happening at that, at that time were outside of our control. But the fact is, is once I realized, like once I understood where my greatest, like one of the things that came down to it, you know, is when I'm coaching football. And, and look, I would work, I would go to work early so I could coach football. Supposed to be home at six, but practice would last later. So I'd always get home. Our coaches around, would stop and talk. <laughs> yeah, 6 37. Uh, always breaking promises when I'm supposed to be home on time. But I'd come home, 
Jeannie would do her thing. I would get the kid time going, you know, and even though I was there, I wasn't as present as I could be because I was, I did not embrace my role as a husband and father to the degree that I embraced these other, um, these other activities because I thought this is what I, this is the most important place for me to be is out trying to make something happen because I needed to provide for my family. But truthfully, more than the money or, or any of that, my family needed my time. And so it wasn't, it, it was at the point where Jeannie was pregnant. She was crying. She's like, I need you home. And I was coaching football and football was a big commitment, six days a week, sometimes seven. And I almost said to her, I almost said, Hey, I made a, I made a commitment to this team and these boys to coach them. I, that didn't come out of my mouth, but that, that was one of the biggest turning points to me to say, wait a minute, your first commitment was to your wife and then to these children. And so I had to really, truly embrace um, that purpose and understand um, that the stress and the pressure of that is okay. The stress and the pressure of that, the challenge of that is actually what I need as a dude because those are areas we thrive in to rise to the occasion, to become the man that we need to be, to become the man that our wife and that our children need to be because you're developing a legacy. It's what you give to this earth. Whatever you sow into your wife and your children is what you give to this planet. It's the positive impact that you make. And you are more important than you realize. And there, are, there is a devastation that comes along with families who split up, with husbands and wives who divorce, that I'm not sure you're aware of. And I, and I think it's because they get lost in understanding what their purpose is for their family and for one another. And, and their priorities are, are not straight. And they don't communicate. They don't negotiate. They don't revamp when there's changing and they start to get separation between them and the separation is filled with bitterness and that was happening to Jeannie and I never once had I considered I wanted to divorce her I didn't I didn't want her as my wife but she was on the other side of that thinking that that's what I wanted and that's why I wasn't home and it's because we didn't know the value in truly communicating with one another what our needs were part of that we were extremely overwhelmed and getting hit on all sides. Um, and, and we just did not know how to work through that. Well, I Thank think part God of that too, out. part of that too was we did take pre-marrieds, but we never, once we did the homework, we never went back to what we learned. We, we never put those lessons back into practice like we did with Rita. Like it just, for whatever reason, it was like, we just need to get through these classes and get them to sign off certificates so we can get married. And yeah. we're good, but we never went back. And there, there were a couple of things that we kept. Usually, the stuff that was from the bedroom, but the other conversations. And I think part of that too was because we had a, such a contention between us when we had that argument, and we almost didn't get married. That it was like, I don't think I want to touch that stuff anymore. But when we got with Rita and we started, the tools were different. Here's the thing that I don't care if it comes from us. I don't care if it comes from. Ed Milet. I don't care if it comes from what. What's the the dads one that you listen to all the time? Front Front Row Dads or I I listen to Front Row Dads sometimes and you know other it, various podcasts. But what matters is 
whichever one speaks to you and speaks your language where you can actually gravitate and you feel something inside of you say, Ooh, I need that. That's what we did. Rita put things in a way that spoke to both Quincy and I, and she put things in it that like, for lack of a better term or, or a better example, buzzwords. When this is happening, Quincy, I want you to use the word speed bump. Okay, cool. It's it's put it in perspective for us in ways that were very simple and it just spoke. It wasn't overly exuberant. It wasn't big sciencey words. It was just, these are your tools. And over the years, we've built off those tools. But we had to take not just the homework assignment for week one. We had to take the homework assignment from week one and we are still using it at week 68. It, it, you can't put it back in the drawer. You can't just pass right. the test and put it in the drawer and move on to the next. You have to keep continually using them. You have. It's about being intentional about what you do. And you can't lose sight that sometimes bitterness and resentment get in the way of understanding that you and your wife are actually on the same team. Even if you're a point right now where you want different things, you can communicate. One of the biggest things we learned how to do in our marriage was negotiate. We didn't have the power and the tools of negotiation and understanding, hey, let me understand how you feel and how you, how you feel about a particular subject. Let me understand where you're coming from. Let me not tell you how you feel and why you shouldn't feel this way because I didn't mean it this way and just say, okay, this is how we communicate. And when there's a life event and things change, you got to come together. You got to rebuild communication, whether it's a good situation or bad, um, whether it's challenging or not. You have to reformat your communication, or what I like to call recalibrate, and then negotiate what moving forward looks like so that you take an active role in your relationship and your relationship continues to be alive and thrive. It's not always going to be bliss. But the fact is, is that if you, as a man, don't embrace your purpose in this family, in your relationship as a father, as a, in the part that you play, um, you could quite possibly create a lot of separation in your relationship and what you will do if you start to lose yourself and you're and you're not challenged you're going to get soft and what i mean is you're you're going to become complacent you're going to stop romancing your wife you're going to stop being intentional uh with loving her and communicating with her you're going to stop being intentional with raising your children you're going to become more defensive. You're going to be easily offended. And, you know, this is not pointing at one particular listener. I want to make sure you understand that. This is something that's on my heart to say, men, you have a valuable purpose and part to play in your relationship. And I want you to embrace it. Yes, it's hard sometimes. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, it can be stressful. Those things aren't bad. Stress is not always bad. A challenge is not always bad. Being uncomfortable is not always bad. 
It's what sharpens and refines you. And you will get no greater return in this life than investing yourself in the people you love. You cannot take anything with you. But if you're on your deathbed, if you're blessed enough to die with the people that love you, that are surrounding you, or that are that the people that love you and they're surrounding you as you leave this earth, think of those who those people who you want it to be. And think about how you want to make that impact on their life. You are important. You are important in the role that you play as a man, as a husband, and as a father. I want to implore you to remember that. And if you've forgotten that, it's time for you to rise up and re-embrace that challenge and recalibrate your life and where you're going. And sit with your wife and tell her, I feel like I've come, become complacent in these areas. And I remember what I signed up for. I want to you know, reinvigorate the vows that I made to you. I didn't sign up for a good marriage. Jeannie and I signed up for a great marriage. And we started off, we, the way we started off our relationship is what we envisioned for our relationship in its entirety. And we got off the path for quite a while. And what, no matter what happened, and truthfully, the, the reason, the reason that we can bless you with our journey is because we got off the path, because those things that happened to us. Authentically, it's because those things that happened for us. And we, we took our role in that. We took responsibility. And now we can bring this to you. And you're already listening to this podcast, so find other ways to invest in yourself, to challenge yourself. And Jeannie and I are doing that right now with the art of living. Um, we had uh, I'd listened to Ed Milet and Matthew McConaughey, and he was having an event. I sent the video out for Jeannie and uh, my brother and sister in law and some other folks, and so Jeannie grabbed a hold of it. You know, she's on her own personal journey now to figure things out, and one of the questions that he asked was. What do you want more of? And it stumped me. <laughs> what do I want more of? Um, I've been, I've been working on the man that I am and improving and trying to remain sharp and present and focused and intentional for over a decade. Well, we never. I think we never focus on the more. What we look at is like, I want to fix or I want to change or I want to be. But when somebody says, what do you want more of? You're sitting there trying to figure out how do those things that I've been looking at fit into m more? What What is the more exactly? Yeah. And it just, it spun both our heads for a minute to go, huh, I didn't, I've never really thought of it that way, I guess. I've always thought of just these things need to be changed or these things need to be different or, you know, I never thought of why am I doing that? What What am I looking for more of? It just never registered. And then let me ask you this question. Are your kids listening to you talk and mentor and challenge them? Are they listening to you more than they're listening to people on TikTok or social media tell them what life is? Are, are, are you allowing outsiders to influence and set 
your core values? Or are you investing time in having family conversations? Are you investing time in shaping the core values and helping your family understand what your value system is and why it's important and teaching your family about etiquette and about respect and about values and about how to interact and how to discuss things with people that you don't agree with and how to be open-minded and, and when to know when to stand on your principles and that it's okay to have principles and it's okay to have boundaries. Are you doing that? Because if you're not, I want to challenge you to do that as well. You have a great role to play. You're very valuable. You, as a man, are very valuable to the relationship, to your marriage, to your household, to your fa- as a father, and to your legacy, and the mark that you leave on this earth. And that is, th- that is where... You know, in 2020, things really came together, and I was blessed enough to have one of the best grandfathers. I had some of the greatest grandparents. My my grandfather on my mom's side um, took me on at five years old after my parents got divorced and really helped me through those initial years for five years. And as I stepped back after his death, I looked. It was like, I don't want to be famous anywhere but it within my family that's where I want to be famous that's the impact I want to have that's the lasting legacy I want to love the people in my life outrageously and be intentional about it and I want to be their biggest cheerleader and I want to be I want to be certainty in uncertain times I want to be hope in hopeless times I want to be wisdom when there's confusion I want to be those things. So I fashion myself in a certain way. And look, there's times where I don't know. I don't know the answer. So I have to say I don't know. But we can go on a journey together and get there. I hope you hear my heart in this uh, in this episode. I hope you understand how important you are as a man, as a husband, and as a father. Not only to your relationship, but also to those looking around you, to society as a whole. One of my daughters today told me, got on the subject of marriage, and I think the ultimate compliment is for your child to say, I want a marriage like yours and mom, yours and mom's. I didn't prompt that. I didn't ask. It came out of her mouth. And she has friends, and we're blessed. We put the work in, but we're blessed. We still have challenges in our, in our relationship, but we're blessed. We hear other, you know, other young people, you know, sometimes saying that they wish their parents would just get a divorce already. And it wrecks my heart. Mm-hmm. It wrecks my heart because I know the value of reinvesting yourself, taking responsibility, and then redefining and recalibrating what your relationship looks like. Well, you know the hurt of divorced parents, too. I do. And if you're in a tough spot right now, look. I love you. I don't know you, but I love you. And I thank you for listening to this program because it means you want something to be different. So continue to invest in yourself. Allow us to help you. Allow us to speak into your life. Allow us to come alongside you and help you the best we can with our time and experience. And if we can't help you, we'll try to refer you to someone who can. But men, listen to me. 
understand what value you have in your sphere of influence as a husband, as a father, and embrace it. Welcome the challenge. Welcome the challenge. Rise to the moment. And be the man that your family needs you to be. You have a great purpose. Don't think for a second you don't matter. That's all I got. I really appreciate you listening. I look forward to your feedback. I pray that uh, I pray that this helps you see that you absolutely have a purpose. And Jeannie and I are here um, giving you our heart to help you through that. For Jeannie Moran and Quincy Moran, this is Man vs. Marriage, the podcast. <laughs>